bidding you a big Wahoo welcome from Municipal Stadium, where tonight, before a capacity crowd of 75,000 screaming featherheads, the fighting Braves of the Cuyahoga will leave their teepees in search of Cleveland's first league championship in over 30 years. Standing in the way, their longtime nemesis, the New York Yankees. Trying to put the stop on the Yanks will be Eddie Harris, the tribe's veteran right-hander. Bonnie, anything to add? He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. All right, we're set to go. Hey, it's Matty and Patty, coast to coast. From Brooklyn, this is world champion Pat McMenamin. In San Francisco, I am joined by fellow world champion Matt Younger. Say hello, Matty. Say hello, hey, champion. Patty. Champion. Champion. How are you, champion? I'm feeling wonderful. Such a winner. Uh, welcome to the Cleveland Sports Hour. We are too self-aware of unapologetic homers who spend far too much time watching, reading, and thinking about the 2016 NBA world champion Cleveland Cavaliers. Whoa. That's right. Thank you, Patty. It's great to be here. I'd also like our audience to know that I'm wearing an Ultimate Warrior t-shirt right now. I will introduce you to Tom Tom who remains silent. Do the intro. Matty, get a hold of your get a hold of your friend. You're stepping all over Pat's intro, buddy. God damn it, Stiggy. You will get your introduction. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Thinking about the 2016 NBA World Champion Cleveland Cavaliers, as well as the American League Central Division Champion Cleveland Indians, are back in the playoffs on Thursday night. Mm. Nine long years. Uh, that's right. And also uh, that that that, that uh, football team we still have. Uh, so if you like the informed, intelligent Cleveland fans' perspective on all things, we have come to the right place. Uh, tonight, however, is all about the tribe. Later this month, we're going to preview the Cavs' upcoming defense of their historic all-time championship, never equaled before in basketball or any other sport. But tonight, it's all about the Tribe. About goddamn time. This podcast has devoted episodes to the Tribe before. Uh, you know, but, but our absence over the summer, while due primarily to life, jobs, laziness, and the heaping pile of satisfaction, is still inexcusable. It's frankly a little shocking how the urgent need to talk for hours on end about Cleveland sports seems less urgent when you've just won the greatest championship in the history of the world. But honestly, we are part of a grave disservice to what might be the most fun and lovable Indians team ever. They deserve better, and we need to do right by them tonight and going forward. Now, perhaps if there's time, we'll give you guys a sneak peek of our cast season preview towards the end, and it's going to be a good one when we do it, chock full of special guests. Speaking of which, we are joined by another shitty. <laughs> Daddy, it's great to be here. Guest who does not know when to wait for his turn to be introduced. He's also on the left coast tonight. Fellow world champion Jeffrey Rustig, the Bile Sticky Fins himself. Welcome, Jeff Rustig. Thank you, Patty. It's great to be here. You know. After watching the debate the other night, I just feel like I should probably just barge in whenever I want. I mean, that's what our leaders do. They're our role models. If you have something to say, just say it. Don't wait for some moderator to tell you it's your turn to talk. So, it's not you know, a, it's not a leader yet. It's no one's leader yet. 
He's just uh, the nominee, right? No, I'm wearing the Ultimate Warrior T-shirt. That guy never waited any turn to talk. He just ranted in people's faces. He was the man. So prepare. He's dead. Because, yeah, I, I yeah. Wear, well, I'm wearing my yeah, the comeback jersey too. You lived life like that. I mean, <laughs> that guy lived his life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Fucking badass. Uh, all right. Well, Stiggy, this, this may be your only airtime of the night without hostile interruptions from me. I warn you, this podcast has room for only one windbag, and that job is taken, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> We're you American. But I won't interrupt much about the tribe because I don't know much about the tribe. So you can go ahead and just display your ignorance while I stare at you like, like Hillary staring at Trump. <laughs> you uh, you sit back there and sip that wood for reserve. I'll, I'll drink my all-day IPA. Uh, let's get into this with the tribe. Uh, let's let's yeah. start at the beginning. Lack of respect for the tribe. I mean, I think we have given them more respect than most Cleveland fans, but I think we are a microcosm of, uh, uh, of the problem that the tribe has in the, in the Cleveland sports pantheon. Uh, uh, you know, it's, I think they might get more respect nationally than they do locally. <laughs> That's crazy, right? I'm serious. I agree you know, with you. If, if Carrasco and Salazar hadn't gotten hurt, the tribe would be a very popular World Series pick. Mm hmm even over the Red Sox, who are very, very good. Yeah. Uh, they're, they were an excellent team. I mean, they, the wheels really fell off the wagon at the end of the year in terms of injuries. Crazy injuries. That's a very – it was a very good team almost from the get-go. There was a couple touch-and-go moments in August uh, with the Tigers and even the Royals back then nipping at their heels. But they, they put that to bed, man. They're right there. with a game back of the Rangers by the end of the season. Yeah, it's a goal. really good squad, and 28th, I believe, in the major leagues in attendance by the end of the year. Jesus. Just pathetic for a team that won 94 games in their division easily. Patty, what was the attendance the day we were there? I mean, it was a nice day. It was a Saturday. Uh, I don't remember. I mean, it was better. It was like it was like in the it was like high 20s. Which is okay. good. I think capacity is now. I mean, capacity originally when that ballpark opened was like forty-three thousand, I think, right? Forty-two, I believe. Yeah, forty-two yeah. and change. And interestingly, you remember if you were paying attention to that opening intro, which I think you guys could hear. Uh, uh, he, he referred to a capacity crowd of seventy-two thousand, the old municipal stadium. I mean, holy shit! You remember a baseball game with seventy-two thousand fans? Yeah, that's. I remember that place being so empty. <laughs> it oh, was God, fun. Yeah. When there were like 5,000 people in the stands and a foul ball would go way out and there'd be like four little kids that would just had to run a quarter mile to go get it. Yeah, it yeah. was amazing. You could walk anywhere. You go where, it was great. You just bust standing where only seats and just walk wherever you want, sit wherever you want. Right. Walk all the way down to the first baseline. There were no ushers to stop you. It was amazing. It was crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> Frankly. You guys, did, yeah. you guys go, did you guys get to go to any of the, like, the, the uh, final games of the season? Uh, 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 in 93? No. I don't think I did. My dad got tickets to uh, uh, one of the, I think the second to last game in, this stadium, in the final series of the year at Municipal Stadium against the White Sox, which is significant because they actually filmed scenes uh, uh, of that entire series uh, for Major League Two. Oh, yeah. Against the White Sox and Jack Parkman. <laughs> <laughs> 
they use the actual you know, the, the natural crowds and be coming for the final like you know games in Municipal Stadium for that for those shots. And that was crazy being in a place. I mean, I've I've been in Municipal Stadium. You guys have been in Municipal Stadium before when for Browns games, right? With mm-hmm. But seeing it for a baseball game is sort of different. Especially, well, like, I, I wasn't there for that, but I we, we used to go on opening day for a little bit, and that would usually sell out or come very close to selling out, even when they were terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an experience. Weird. You're right. It's weird watching a baseball game with that many people. Yeah. Now, I mean, that was the trend. Park? What's the biggest ballpark for baseball now? Do anyone, any, any of you guys it's know? The Oakland Coliseum, which is still the only mixed-use baseball stadium in the league right. right now. That's right, and it's similar size. Now, they they uh, they block off the entire upper deck. Like there's a tarp over all the seats in the upper deck. So I guess maybe officially that's not part of the capacity. I don't remember if they open them up in the playoffs or not. Um, well, that'll, that'll be the capacity that's in the 70,000 range if, if, if it gets what the Raiders get. But, um, you know, they don't. Nobody goes to those games. I went to one three years ago there. It was – I mean, it's so much concrete. It felt like a maximum security prison. Yeah. It was really empty. It was sad. And then the next day I went to one at Pac Bell, which was like the newest, nicest. Huge, huge difference. Yeah. Same price for beer, though. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. I was gonna say, uh, uh, Stinky, you and I went to a game uh, together recently, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, oh, we, did. we noticed uh, uh, the upper deck in right field uh, is covered up with huge, like uh, square columns, like you know, uh, recognizing former greats and players and all that stuff. But like, those seats are gone. Well, are they for sure gone? They're gone. That's part, that was part of the redesign of the – I'm 90% sure on this. That was part of the redesign of the stadium, was taking away those seats and admitting – the team admitting that it cannot sell out at 40, whatever, 42, 43, 44,000 like it was doing back in the heyday um, and that it has to adjust its expectations and improve the game experience for those lower number of fans that they think they can actually get to come to the game. Those, those seats are gone. They're not what coming I'm back. Is, what I'm wondering about is that the, 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 the way the construction is on it looks so uh, potentially temporary because I would assume that for the playoffs, they could sell those seats. No. They might let that. No, I mean, we'll find out tomorrow. What? We'll find out tomorrow who's right about it, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's not. I think those are permanent structures, and those seats are gone. Uh, that seems crazy to me because they would be able to sell them. Like, uh, it makes sense to have like a semi-permanent structure that, with a little bit of work, you could just remove. For uh, yeah. I mean, uh, neither of us are structural engineers, Pat, but I don't think that's how it works. And <laughs> nobody goes to the freaking games, which is part of what we're talking about here. Is the is the problem? They were twenty fucking eighth in the league in attendance. That's terrible. Like, here's what I, I mean. I, I agree. Fourth best team in the league. I would be really depressed if I could see if I saw those seats empty in the playoffs. But I just can't believe that Cleveland wouldn't fill those seats in the playoffs. That they wouldn't get enough to be able to fill it out. Even in, even in two thousand seven, we had this problem back in two thousand seven when the Indians last in the playoffs, right? I mean, maybe well, they could build uh, some temporary uh, bleachers out as, out in center field and have people sit out there and sell those tickets. I'm just saying, like in two thousand seven, we still sold out in the playoffs at least, and, and, and the whole season we had trouble actually filling the seats. Just like this year. I mean, we sold out the wild card game in twenty thirteen too. I don't disagree with you. I'm just telling you that that's. I'm, I'm just giving you facts, Pat. You might you might be right. I I, I, have, I don't actually have any research on this, and I don't care. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> you care. Well, I guess I care a little bit because those seats were the seats I sat in when I saw Albert Bell hit that Grand Slam in 96 that just drove me crazy. Like, like, like just mm. knowing those gone is a, is a rough, rough thing to, to come to grips with, you know? Well, hey, come to grips with it, buddy. Hey, let's think about the good things, Maddie. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the playoffs and good thoughts. What uh, How good the tribe team is? Patty, you said in the intro you think this is the most fun tribe team ever. I, I think it's arguable, for sure. More fun than the 95 team. Yeah. There's no way. I, I think it's arguable. I'm not, I'm, man, I'm not making a case that it is. I'm saying it's an, it, well, it's it, arguing. They have a case. So let me make case. I haven't thought about this enough to know whether where I lay on this. I mean, the, the 95 tribe just, just bashed the ball. But, you know, and, and, and they had great personalities. But, like, the personalities in this team, part of this is a, is a, is a, is a construct of – our, our time is that we get to actually know the players a little more deeply, or at least uh, uh, interact with them more through Twitter and all that. Yes. Uh, but between Jason Kittness, who, by the way, not just is he the kind of guy who calls out uh, a sports writer on Twitter, uh, Paul Hoynes, who, yes. who after the game, thinking you and I saw when Carlos Carrasco got hurt, declared that, mark this down, this is the day that the Indians' uh, uh, postseason dream died. Uh, Kittness went on Twitter to say, uh, all right, buddy, well, don't bother coming to the games anymore. You never know I was going to turn out to stay home. Like, he, you know, yeah. loved that Trevor about Bauer said something much meaner, I think. Trevor <laughs> Bauer is completely out of control on Twitter. And just like, I mean, he's a fucking wild thing. That dude is fucking uh, deliverance. <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a crazy on dude. Was, on top of that, Kittness was actually at game six of the fucking NBA finals talking smack to... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Green, Green, Green Thompson. No, talking shit to on his way Green. out of the arena, getting, getting tossed, talking shit in his face because he's rich. Like he's the Joe. You know that game six. What's that? You know who else was at, was at that game six? Mm. Me. Greg Keith. Awesome. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saw a little Steph throw his mouth guard, get thrown out. Oh, my God. What a bit. Now he's a role model. <laughs> Dummies out here. So humble. So humble. <laughs> so humble. Such an everyman. Conducts himself with respect. Oh. Doesn't sneer or, or, or flaunt himself. I heard he's endorsing Trump. <laughs> he grew up rich. Why not? He <laughs> did. He's a member of the one percent. Sure, he loves uh, Donald Trump. So I, I've I've, co I've covered Trevor Bauer. I've covered uh, Jason Kittens. There's uh, Frankie Lindor. Yeah. Lindor's awesome. It's a joy to watch. He is. I mean, I don't want to look. I mean, uh, no one was better at handling the ball uh, than Vizquel, but Lindor has an arm that Vizquel didn't have. And I think it's, you know, uh, but also Lindor could hit like Vizquel couldn't hit. Uh, I mean, and, and Lindor just has this, this infectious energy. I, 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 the, the emoji on this podcast, man, when we're done, is going to be a picture of Frankie Lindor giving the double middle finger to uh, <laughs> to the Kansas uh, City fan. The Royals, <laughs> yeah, with a huge shit-eating grin on his face. Like, I fucking <laughs> love that dude. He's a lot of fun. He's awesome. Party at Napoli's is a lot of fun. Party at Napoli's. Yeah. Party at Napoli's. 
uh, uh, Mike Napoli just, just swings like for the fence every fucking time and just is a that's it's like awesome. Joaquin Phoenix's character in, in Signs. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, swing away. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Matt, that's, He's like that's, a waste not to swing as hard as I can. <laughs> swing as hard as I can every time. Oh, God, Signs. My favorite Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana? Uh, uh, Metrics darling? But also just like, your, is your favorite player, Maddie, on this team? Oh, I love, I love Los. Love Los so much. I love the fact that we have a fat former catcher as our leadoff fucking hitter. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking awesome. Like, that is it's stat. That's stat-driven. I love that about this team. Um, and we still think that no other team is doing it, especially now without Carrasco and Salazar. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we haven't even talked about your favorite player. I just said my favorite player. Uh, uh, well, and we'll get to that in a minute. So, so my favorite player, I, I, I declared it, and Maddie, you were there to witness it. Mid-August, I was watching a game mid-August uh, with my family on vacation. It was against the Blue Jays. Um, this game was otherwise known as the Make Way Inside the Park walk-off game. We were down one run in the bottom of the ninth against uh, Osuna, right? Like, it was kind of arguably mm-hmm. the, the, the best closer in the game, but, you know, supposed to not, say that. Not, not even close to arguably. I heard that. I don't know. I, I the best closer game. in the game was not utilized by Buck Showalter last night in the Orioles-Blue Jays game. Right, 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 right. I, I, I saw those. <laughs> I think two. he set the record for the lowest ERA in, in history this year, Patty. But soon is pretty fucking good, right? Asuna is all right. He's a good closer. Yeah. Right. Hey. I, I thought Asuna was supposed to be like, you know, a, a very top tier. Anyway. Well, long, long story short, very good closer, right? He's <laughs> all right closer. And, uh, uh, you know, we're kind of hopeless. We haven't been scoring the whole game. Uh, uh, and Jose Ramirez, this guy came out of fucking nowhere. Just moonshots, like off his shoe tops. The solo shot, tie the game, set the table for make wins inside the park home run. Uh, and even with all the excitement of Naquin's, like, uh, 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 pose after he slid to the home plate, and through the, the, the two-fingered, like, salute in the air, like, at the end of a 1980s, like, sports movie. Yeah, that was a good freeze frame. <laughs> moment. Yeah! Uh, fuck, I was like, Jose Ramirez is my favorite fucking player of all time. Just, not all time, but he's my favorite fucking Indians right now. He's my favorite fucking Indian. I need his fucking jersey. This is the first Indian jersey I bought. That night, I went online and bought it. Even though I had just free, had bought less than, like, a month ago. About twenty cab shirts. <laughs> I bought myself my first Indian jersey, and it's a Jose Ramirez jersey. Uh, love that fucking guy. Out of nowhere, great defender, just plays anywhere else, all over the field, and he's legit. You watch him swing; he can get any ball. He has complete play coverage and great quick hands. I I'm so excited about him. He's a lot of fun, and it was encouraging how he emerged too, right? He came up and was sort of the – not sort of. He was the starting shortstop last year when they were giving Lindor a little more time to adjust in the minors and played horribly, was terrible on defense. The switch of him out of shortstop and Lindor in was one of the things that propelled us from, like, the worst defensive team in the league to one of the best. Yep. Some other things happened there too, but that was that was one of them, getting Chisenhall and, and Ramirez off of the left side of our infield. Um. But wow, I mean, you know, they, they came to spring training and the idea was like, he can make the team, he'll probably be a utility infielder. Yeah. Uh, 
Then uh, El Monte gets suspended at the beginning of the year. Brantley gets hurt. There's an opening in our outfield. He just took advantage of it. I mean, he's slightly less power than I would have anticipated, at least home run power, because he's, what, third in the league in doubles, but slightly less home run power than Brantley would have, but otherwise duplicated his numbers pretty closely, and especially uh, the, the Mr. Clutch designation that Brantley had had with us before. Yeah, he's very good. He's been incredibly clutch. I mean, like the numbers that he has with runs in scoring position, you know, period, but also runs in scoring position with two outs. Yeah. They're incredible. And the thing is, like, what I love about him is that he's, you know, he's not the prototypical third baseman, right? He doesn't hit a lot of, he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. He hits doubles, you know, but like, the fuck that. He's got, a, he is a super plus defender at third base, right? The minus defender at shortstop. He's a good defender, and he's above average at third base, for sure. Above average at third base. Um, I mean, every time I watch him, he's making great plays. Second base is his natural position. Uh, like, this, is, this, is, this couldn't be more perfect, having him there and being able to put Lonnie in the uh, rotation in the outfield, which is a yeah. huge end to the Indians having. I, I mean, I don't know the, the baseball well enough to know. Matt, does any other, like, you know, playoffs right now have the uh, quality – Mix and match lefty lefty righty matchups that we have in the outfield in terms of like bats. No, and you know our outfield ended up being like the third most productive in the American League. I think second or third most productive. Wow, is a That's unit. Awesome. I didn't and know that. You know, that gives, that gives uh, Tito the ability to do one of the things he does best, which is manage a manage a lineup, game yeah. in game out. Yeah, I think he's really done that well. I mean, I mean, for God's sakes, every time I see uh, Brandon Geyer up, he's either getting hit by a pitch or he's hitting a clutch hit. Yeah. Geyer's great. Right. Either way. That was a nice consolation prize for not getting uh, LaCroix. Mm. You mean the, the Rangers catcher? That, that is who I mean, yes. Is what that you more than his name, Patty? No, that's what the tribe announcers refer to him as. Did you know that? Who? <laughs> Tom Hamilton does? No, I, I think it's the TV announcers. The T, the Sports Channel Ohio announcers. They don't, they don't actually name him by name. I, I, I read that somewhere. And honestly, I've not actually heard them say his name. Really? It's like a Washington football team situation. A little bit, a little bit. I've heard that said, and I, you know, can't. The problem I have MLB TV, and it gives you the option to listen to the radio uh, audio overlay, which I do. So uh, I haven't been listening to to uh, Matt Underwood and. Uh, same uh, color guy. Rick is still on it? Yep, yep, Rick. God. Uh, he, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever heard him say his name, but they don't refer to him by name. Manning was up with Dennis Eckersley's wife when they were teammates. Oh, really? I think that's right. <laughs> he slept with someone's wife. <laughs> oh, man. So, you think, so more fun than the 95 team, you think, Patty? Well, hold on. I just laid out what was really fun about this team. I haven't gotten to Andrew Miller. Uh, I mean, Cody Allen's not much fun. He's just a great pitcher. Uh, uh, one of the fun things that uh, Stig and I enjoyed at the game we watched was, like, they, they did a whole video presentation for Cody Allen. And we just kept looking at it going, like, that's just not an intimidating person. <laughs> it runs for – probably 90 seconds long, his intro film, and it's black and white, and it show, it's slow motion, so he's all steely-eyed. It's like a Western. And we looked at him, and I think you said it best, Pat. You're like, 
this guy is just like an average suburban white dude. There's nothing hard about him at all. This is not, this is not intimidating. <laughs> He's a dude you would, you would underestimate in almost any situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they tried their best. It was great. It was well shot. It was well produced. And they just they couldn't had nothing to work with. It was just Cody Allen. Yeah. They tried to make you or me look tough. It'd be the same yeah. result. Yeah, exactly. This guy's soft. <laughs> uh, but no, Andrew Miller is kind of fun. I mean, it's just crazy, but he doesn't look as crazy right now. But I love the fact that like the minute the minute he got traded from the Yankees, he stopped fucking shaving. He hasn't, he hasn't shaved a day since he got traded from the Yankees. That beard's been growing ever since. I love that. Uh, uh, I love you got to grow that beard. Chaos. Sorry, what's that? Once you know you're going to the playoffs, you got to grow that beard. That's, that's right. You start early. Uh, but then you got Klubot, Salazar, Cookie. Uh, you've got uh, our slow pitch dude, uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, Maddie, I, I, I'm give me the case for '95. I, I, the, the case may seem obvious, but just compare, compare it player by player. Most likable team, most exciting, not exciting team, but like most likable team, team that like is the most fun on a player by player basis. Um, okay, so where do I begin? <laughs> So Sandy Alomar was probably the second least exciting player in our everyday lineup. He's more exciting than all the catchers that we have now, including Gomes. And Gomes is not was hurt, not really playing this year. So they get catcher. Our first baseman was Paul Sorrento, who was our most boring player in our everyday lineup. Um, Napoli, I would get, was more fun, but it not like leaps and bounds. Really? Come on. No, don't pull that shit. Napoli and also Santana also plays first base. I'm getting to Santana, buddy. You let me make my case, all right? <laughs> you you really gonna say Napoli or a draw? Seriously? I didn't say a draw. I said Napoli's more fun, but it's not leaps and bounds. Paul Sorrento hit what twenty seven homers or something in ninety five. You get first base to today's tribe. He's what? You get first base to twenty sixteen tribe. Sure. Second base, Carlos Baerga was so fucking good in 1995. Yeah. You're really sleeping on him. Oh, hit 200, 200 hits, uh, close to 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. I think he scored 100 runs. Baerga was so phenomenal, 93, 94, 95. He's better than Kipnis. Yeah. Oh, better. Fun play. Fun to watch on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Better, but did he go to, to, to Cavs finals games and trash talk other team players? <laughs> well, the Cavs weren't in the finals and there wasn't Twitter. So you're, that's difficult to do, but he was a tremendous amount of fun out on the field. I'm just saying I think this compares not on a production level, but on a fun level. This is what I'm, this is what I'm pointing for here. Likeable and fun. I, don't know. I think Bayerga did a lot of coke. That was probably pretty fun. Probably a good time. <laughs> Uh, Omar and Lindor, I think you got to give a wash to. Yeah, fair enough. For fun. Uh, Jim Tomey versus uh, Jose Ramirez at third. Oh, a new favorite player. Come on. <laughs> this, is, this is Jim Tomey, buddy. I know, it's Jim Tomey. <laughs> and the Indians get a clean sweep in the outfield. The 95 team gets a clean sweep in the outfield. 
Kenny Lofton was so much fun to watch. Albert Bell was some Albert great Bell interview. was 52 and 50. He was crushing home runs. He was doing yeah. the muscle thing when they questioned him playing oh. with the. And see, that's my favorite Indian story of all time is the Jason Grimsley bat story. That caper? <laughs> oh, boy. The current tribe, and there's still, you know, that happened in the playoffs. So let's give the current tribe another month here and see what happens. But that story is so great. I tell that story every chance I get. They were a lot of fun. Man, he was so much fun in right field. Mm. He had a gun back then. I think he led the league in assists in 95. Did he? I think so. Wow. Dude, he, he was young guys. Ben was pulled into a car wash. Or no, told like the clubhouse guy to, drive, to take his car out of the car wash. There's money in the glove compartment to pay for the car wash. When we pulled in the car wash and pulled up in the glove compartment, there was like $20,000 in cash. <laughs> Pat, it wasn't that. There was a lot of cash. There were hundreds of thousands of dollars in uncashed paychecks from the team. <laughs> you just hadn't gone to cash. <laughs> That's I'm just saying, I, again, not from a production standpoint, like, I, I don't need to claim that this team is better than 95. Uh, 95 was like fucking world beers. We, I mean, 94, we were, everyone's creaming their pants with the Cubs this year and how, how good they are. Dude, we were 144 when the fucking season ended, right? Wasn't that right? Yeah, that's right. The 95, right? Yep, that's right. 144. That's ridiculous. Yeah, the team was crazy. Was uh, uh, you know, so like, you can't compare on a production basis. I'm talking about a fun, likable basis. I think I think they're in the same league because likable. When Albert Bell beamed the tip was compared by Erga. That was 93. What was that? No. What's that? was asking about when uh, Bell beamed that guy in the stands with the ball, but I think that was 93. Yeah, it was Joey Bell era. Right after he changed from Joey to Albert. Yeah, he had to, okay, because he had to. This guy was heckling him <laughs> by calling him Joey. Um, you know, well, in some way, Pat, I, I, I only say it because I think that 95 team is the best, most fun team that I've ever rooted for in my life. Yeah, I root for um, but that doesn't take away that this team is a lot of fun. Your overall point still, still holds, again, and it's a shame that people haven't paid, including us, Patrick. We are not immune from from this criticism. Yes, haven't paid attention to the team. I, now, part of me thinks it's just because the team has been, after that the late '90s high, has been fairly snake bit in in all reality. Some of that is we stopped spending money. I don't. I don't particularly feel like getting into that conversation right now but suffice it to say we're not spending money we watched all the guys from that the great 90s team leave for greener money-wise pastures um and then the next round of guys that came in that also very fun 07 team with sizemore and vmart and hafner um you know the sizemore injury was devastating Hafner fell off a ledge, sort of predictably for somebody with his profile, but still it, that hurt. Um, and then the the Sabathia, Cliff Lee, and Vmart trades that felt like they didn't really bring anything back, even though Cookie and uh, and um, uh, Brantley were were what we got back from those trades. I mean, that really took a lot of the air out of the team, I think. And had a, these years where we'd come close and then screw it up and got the one-game playoff and then came back and didn't make the playoffs the next year. It seemed um, like we didn't have the same touch with the veterans either. Part of those 95 teams were guys like <laughs> Martinez, Hershiser, 
You know, we were always mm -hmm. like Eddie Murray. We we're always getting one or two more great years out of these vets who other people have thrown on the scrap heap. But then you've got signings like recently, more late, recently like Swisher and Bourne that just didn't work out at all. So yeah. this year we're we've found that touch again where we're taking we two like out of Rajai Davis. Two out of three, I think, right? Davis, Napoli, and Uribe were the big three. Yep. And Bird. Yep. And Bird didn't work out because of the drugs, but I don't think that was a bad the idea was right. Right, right. Um no. All right, we, we've exhausted this, Patty. Let's 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 keep going. Well, on. Let's, let's put a cap on it, though. No, I think my word should be the last word. No, no. <laughs> this is this. The, I, I clearly I have last word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. You pure you pure stamina. You pure stamina. I, I'm willing to. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, going back to like so again, I I was mostly trying to make the argument for this, but the point to me is, but by, by making a comparison between '95 and 2016, I think it makes clear that between '95 and 2016, Maddie, can you name a single team? Just 2007, outshine 2016. 2007 has a pretty decent. That team was a lot of fun, man. Totally, but like, 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 think serious for 2016. How fun this fucking team is! Like, I, I love the 2017. I, I, I was, they were my most, they were easily my, my, my favorite team since '97. Fucking Ryan Garko was on that team, man. Garko, underdog. That does it right there for me. The bug game was so great. Yeah, Why now part of it. I will say a big part of why, even though it ended somewhat tragically, very Cleveland-esque fashion for us, old Cleveland, um, the playoffs really made that team, mm -hmm. right? Like that Yankees series. Yeah. Incredible. And the first four games of the Red Sox series really cemented them. So this team could do that with a, with a nice run um, here. Yeah. But yeah. Victor Martinez. You know, I, think it, I think it undercredits a little bit how fun that Sizemore, Hafner, Vitamart. That that team was fun. Victor Martinez the was and Fausto that year were good. Yeah, Fausto. Fausto looked like he's going to be a world beater. He did man. That was, that was sad. He was Victor so young that year. He was never as good. Yeah, that was it. Which was one of my favorite Indians, uh, which which was fun when when Steve uh, uh, and I were watching that game against the Tigers, uh, which by the way was Arthur's first Indians game in person. Yeah, uh, he, he got to win. Baseball's tough for little kids. <laughs> yeah, he basically watched a movie the whole game. <laughs> yeah. Except but, for that, uh, where you almost killed him trying to get a foul ball. <laughs> yeah, my counter first time, my first foul ball all the time. I caught at this game. Walking right at me, right where Stiggy was, was sitting when he got up to go get food. Uh, so he wasn't there for it. So I'm like, I knocked it down before I could reach it. Ball hit the ground, rolled underneath the seat. And because I was holding Arthur when I reached up to grab the, the, the ball, uh, I kind of like accidentally squished it against one of the armrests. And so he started crying. <laughs> the ball. So somebody else got the ball, heard my son crying, was like, oh, I feel bad out here. He decided I didn't get the ball and handed the ball back to Arthur. So. <laughs> Little did that dummy know he was just sad because his dad had physically abused him. <laughs> just like we practiced it, Arthur. Just like we practiced it. <laughs> uh, 
But no, that game, like, it was his first game, and it was the Carrasco injury, but also the record-setting uh, nine-pitcher shutout game. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Patty, do you remember who uh, hit the game-winning uh, single in that game? Walk off that was Jose Ramirez, Patty. Jose Ramirez, that's right. So, anyway, but, but, uh, I, I, I brought that up because we were playing the Tigers, and there was one Tigers fan in the crowd, right, who just kept, like, constantly shouting encouragement to her team like an awful person. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she kept saying, like, you know, you, know, you got him, Victor! Like, you know, you know Victor Martinez. And I, I think at one point I heckled her saying, hey, he was ours before he was yours. He thinks about us when he, when he goes home with you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always be his first team. We'll always be his real team. Like, I still, I still love Victor Martinez. It's one of those things where I hope he does a Jim Tomey thing and comes back for a little bit before he retires. The Coco Crisp thing? Coco Crisp thing, which is fantastic. Another huge thing about this team. Crisp is back. Yeah, that does help. Come yeah. on. I'm telling you. Maybe. I think 2016 is easily the, the most fun team since 95. 95. 97's top. 97 is pretty fucking awesome too. So it's hard to say, but like I think since '97, without a doubt, the most fun team this this city's had. Uh, you know, look if they if they bomb out in this first series against the Red Sox, it'll probably hurt them. But uh, this has been a super fun team, and so you guys just gotta get into them this playoffs, man. It's exciting. I agree. Is Grant going? Do you know if he's going? Uh, probably. I we should hope so. Um, oh, he splits those tickets, though, right? Yeah, so I don't. So it's a fight. His brother probably. will get some of them. I will say, I mean, Arthur, we're not Definitely. going to games. Uh, I had to explain to him the time and distance to, mm. to Cleveland for this, but uh, uh, and I'm reminding him that he watched Spider-Man three during the entire fucking game. So <laughs> I spent that kind of money on him. Shame on he just, him. He just <laughs> sent him to stay with Uncle Granty for the week. Mm, Uncle Granty, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> gonna learn some new words i'll tell you that right yeah now. <laughs> uh maddie so so I, as i've demonstrated throughout this podcast and in life in general i am ignorant about baseball in general aside from the indians uh can you give us a little scouting report of the red sox like what, what 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 can we expect all i know about them is that they have a bunch of annoying hitters they're a bunch of fucking ass-faced boston accents and they dance and no one get, and people want to like them because they're boston and just go fuck them in the face. That's all I know about them. And there's also a PED. You know, actually, Matt, that was really good. <laughs> so, you know, they, so they, uh, I, I left out the part that they they're saying goodbye to a, a, an aging, uh, uh, should be disgraced PED star that somehow has not yeah. been aligned with it, even though he's clearly a product of the the, the same uh, era. Even though you and I have different opinions about that. Anyways. So. I think the most telling thing about them is you know you know what what run differential is, Patty, right? Uh, I'm familiar with that. Yes, thank you. Yes. So the uh, Red Sox had the best run def- differential in the American League. The Indians were second. Mm. Uh, that difference between them, well, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but 90 to 100 runs, which is a lot. Um, the Indians scored the second most runs in the league. Amazingly, which is not what they were forecast to do at the beginning of the year. The offense way outproduced what we thought, and the starting pitching was nowhere. Indians was nowhere near dominant as we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Indians pitching and defense, their run prevention was much better than the Red Sox. And the Red Sox 
still ahead of 100 plus run differential about better than us their offense is just unbelievably good yeah. unbelievably yeah. good um that's the thing to know about them they're starting pitching has moments david price uh is good you know i don't he wasn't the best pitcher in the league and kluber is better than him on a on a consistent basis but can can deliver the rest of their guys are fine uh rick porcello most notably won 20 games this year and was pretty decent throughout the year um, for those two, they don't have a good. Yeah, Buckles starter. is not really what but he Rick was. was. Wasn't Rick Porcello garbage last year and every year yes, before? He was very bad. Like, blah. What the fuck he happened? Was last year. And it, you know, this is how one of the fun things about baseball, Patty, changes just that quick. Mm. Um, their starting pitching is not what should scare you. What should scare you is their lineup, which is filthy, top to bottom. Yeah, really top to bottom. Uh, Killer Bees in the outfield and at shortstop, uh, all very good. Mookie Betts is a legit MVP candidate out in right field. Jackie Bradley Jr., who always had an amazing glove and people just thought he wouldn't hit. I think he had 26 home runs this year. They called up this kid, Benatendi, um, who's in left field for them right now, who looks like a masher. Xander Bogarts is not quite in Lindor's class, but is right there. The Correa, Bogarts, Lindor class of shortstops in the American League is the, you know, the callback to A-Rod, Jeter, and Garcia Parra from the mid-90s. Uh, but he's excellent. Pedroia, had a, Pedroia sort of looked like he might be done or on his way to done last year and had an enormous bounce-back season. Uh, Hanley Ramirez, again, off the scrap heap and looking like he was done, moved to first base and had a good year. And then freaking Ortiz, man, who uh, I don't How know. How old is he now? Thirty. What is he? Thirty-seven. That's what I was going to say. Thirty-seven. Um, who like he was done eight years ago? People were starting to yeah. talk about that. That might be it for him. An amazing year. So their lineup is filthy, and and one of those that that is like the the Tribe '95 lineup, um, and another one it's like some of the Yankee lineups in the. Uh, even in the early 2000s when they really loaded up on superstars and were just just tough outs everywhere, that's what it's like. Um, so it'll be a, you know, their bullpen is good but not great. Um, so there's runs to be scored. I think it's going to be all about keeping them off, off the bases. Mm -hmm. um, and that ain't going to be easy. It is a super big deal that we got home field advantage. Yes, yes. That is an enormous deal. Both uh, teams are really good at home, right? Both teams are good at home. We're especially blah on the road. Um, so that that was huge for us. Um, but it is I the Red Sox are favored and should be. Uh, if we had if we had of our full complement of pitchers and Carrasco and Salazar were available. I honestly, maybe a whole different story. Um, that would reflect in how the regular season stats played out, certainly, which would inform how we're thinking about it. But it, that's just a whole different thing. Like, how confident are you in Bauer? I'm so not super. I'm not super confident, right? Like, I he's the guy who we score two runs, and I'm like, he's going to give up those two runs immediately the next inning. I just, I know it. When well, he's on, though, I mean, he's really good. He can be incredible. Exactly. So Bauer. Right. And, and, and again, that's part of the crapshoot so crap of the playoffs is mm. he shows up and has one good game. He's my hero all of a sudden. 
and I remember that, right? Uh, so I think uh, Pat's favorite writer, Terry Pluto, made this point in a column over the weekend, <laughs> talking, talking about the 90-17. This was a really good point, though, which was if we had won that World Series as we should have, Chad OJ would have been the MVP. That's Chad right. It was sort of an afterthought all season long in the rotation and never was really anything afterwards. was amazing in that playoffs. Mm -hmm. And he had a double. double. And he, he had a double in the World Series. Yeah. Hershiser sort of shit the bed a little bit in that series in the postseason. Nagy was terrible in the postseason. Yeah. And it was Jarrett Wright and Chad OJ who had a couple good weeks, right? Like a couple good weeks over the course of a season is a blip that you don't even think about. Right. It's oh, he had two good starts and then he turned into a pumpkin again. Right. Um, those two good starts are all you need in a situation like this. So it's certainly possible. And that's what, that is one of the things that is both the most fun and most infuriating about the baseball postseason, right? It really anything can happen. Maddie. Anything can win. The Cubs and the Red Sox are the favorites, but they're favorites at like what? The Cubs have a 30% chance to win it. Maybe that might be high. 25% chance. Mm. The Red Sox are slightly below them. It's a it's anything's possible, and the the tribe is certainly capable of winning this series. I think if the Red Sox are favored, they're favored in like a 54, 46 sort of way. Yeah, I think you nailed it because uh, uh, one of the reasons I uh, going into the season, I, 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 I recall our Indian season preview. Yeah, I think we did. We did one, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. We did. I talked. I talked glowingly about this team and how fun they were going to be. Actually, yeah. My whole about what I love about Cheeto Francona's uh, Indians is that they stay in it throughout most of the year, and the whole point is you just got to stay close and get yes. hot time because it doesn't matter if you're, good, if you're the best team in baseball. What matters is you get fucking hot for a goddamn month. And ride that like that's the what the Royals fucking did, right? Yeah, <laughs> they had the best team. Point, point to the book Moneyball. Just get into the playoffs, and then it's really a yep. crapshoot. So, like, but on top of that, that, that's one thing that, that I think about, and that, and that was what I was taking going into the season. That was before I became a champion, man. And the perspective <laughs> that's that, that makes all the difference in the world. And there's a perspective that comes to being a champion, where. You and I talked about this when, like, you know, for Salazar was going down, and then Gomes went down with, like, two fucking crazy freak injuries and, and ridiculous bad luck. And then, like, Carrasco, for fuck's sake, went down. Uh, you know, normally, this would drive a Cleveland fan to... Uh, <laughs> the drink? Yes. Well, we don't need any help with that. But, <laughs> yes, it would, it would just despair. You know, our, our despair, the arguments you and I had, the, the, the deep, dark, bitter feud we had in the middle of the season last year with the oh, cap. Yeah. Gone. Dark times. But, like, you know, we were just like, ah, you know what? We're probably going to make the playoffs. We make the playoffs. Bauer might get hot. Who knows if Clevenger is going to, like, Find himself like Jarrett Wright found himself out of nowhere. Yeah. There's nothing special necessarily going into the playoffs. Um, and, uh, yeah, we could just get a hot and win it all. That, that can happen. If we don't, eh, we still won the greatest championship in the history of the NBA. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. It took an enormous amount of the pressure. I, I was, was, I've said this to you before, Patty, and I said it to Jeff when we were having dinner earlier. This would have made me so mad. 
Carrasco injury, I would have been just like, what the, this is it. This is, this is the gods laughing at us again. This is what we get. Shame on us for believing. I don't have any of that right now. Like this is, everything is found money to me now. But now it's all found money. Cause it's like, it's, it's like, Hey, we lose. We don't feel bad about this shit. We lost two of our top three fucking starters. Yeah. Like the Red Sox would have been fucking toast if they faced our full squad, like we're facing theirs. And, uh-huh. and, 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 and you know, we had our, th- our two starters. Like, they lost their two, their, their two top two starters or whatever. They're two of the top three. Fucking toast. Yeah. You tell them. I'll say this, Patty. I still have some of my old cynicism, though. I went to buy my dad a, a birthday gift a few weeks ago, and I I got him that uh, that coloring book, Why Is Daddy Sad on Sundays? <laughs> apparently, since we won the title, the same guy has come out with a new book, and it's the same cover. It's the guy in the Bernie jersey on the couch, but he has his fists raised up in the air, and the title is Why Is Daddy Happy on Sundays? And it's the 25 greatest moments of Cleveland sports history. So I'm there in the store. I'm looking at both of these books side by side, and I'm like, why would I want the happy one? Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I bought him the sad one. He, he really wrong, right? I mean, it's my dad's wrong. a lot longer than I have, so it was, it was definitely the right gift for him. Well, I feel like the coloring book would just be entirely uh, moments from Game 7. Game six and game five. I, I didn't even open it, but yeah, there had to be at least three, right? The shot, the block, and and the 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 stop, as LeBron called it. Yeah, I think I think Draymond's ball shot on LeBron would have to be in it. <laughs> Steph Curry throwing his mouthpiece into the stands oh, would yeah. have to be in it. A couple of LeBron's packs of uh, of staff and shit. yeah, the one like where he looked over his shoulder, back like, over his shoulder, mm-hmm. shit talking him. Yeah, a couple of a couple of uh, moments of uh, Kyrie dotting, uh, not just Steph's eye, but uh, uh, um, uh, Clay Thompson's eye. Like Clay Thompson's like trying, like, is hustling his ass off, playing perfect defense, and Kyrie just calmly thinks it every single time. It's just it's so. <laughs> It's so demoralizing because he played perfect defense on all those plays, and Kyrie's just like, "Fucking fool, man! I don't need you." <laughs> so yes, this is the perspective that being a champion brings. Um, one thing I wanted to run past, uh, I get well, uh, both of you guys. I-, I was reading this 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 crazy uh, uh, article. It was co- it was born out of the bullpen game concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Mike didn't just pull this. It wasn't a serious article. Like they aren't going, they aren't going to do this. But like, why don't they do this? And let's talk about it. Uh, I think they really might do it. I'm curious. This would be amazing if they did. It'd be the first, right? The idea is the Indians basically have two closers, right? We got Andrew Miller and we got Cody Allen. These two guys are like among the best relievers in baseball. Why wouldn't you, on days where you don't have a really great starter, uh, whether it's Clevenger or Tomlin, why wouldn't you open the game, have an opening starter, an opening pitcher, not a starting pitcher, an opening pitcher, uh, be either, be, like open the game with Andrew Miller? That's the one time you're guaranteed to face the top three hitters in the fucking lineup, right? Start the game with Andrew Miller. Then you bring in the, 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 the innings eater, right? Tomlin or Clevenger. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you get to your bullpen, and then you close the game with your closer. You, you know, so, so the idea is that you open and close the game with two of your best pitchers just for those innings. 
Right. You're going to get three innings out of them there. And then you just have to cover six in the middle. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll do. And I don't have a powerful argument for not starting with Miller there other than it feels icky, but this is the same logic that kept Buck Showalter from deploying the best reliever in baseball last night. In a game, he lost the game by one, well, by three, but whatever. And, and uh, in extra innings and never used his best pitcher. Which you never want to, Ever do. Yeah. Um, but I think a ver- I think a version of that is what we will see, right? Like Tomlin, I presumably is going to start game three. He will be on an incredibly short hook. As soon as somebody gets on base, they're going to have somebody in the bullpen warming. Literally, as soon as somebody gets on base, I th- I think they'll have somebody in the bullpen warming and ready to go. And who that somebody that comes in is will be dependent on what happens. Right. If we're getting roughed up and there's all of a sudden the bases are loaded and there's nobody out and it's the second inning, I think you could see Andrew Miller come in and pitch right then. It'd be like we got the game cannot get away from us. Yeah, I mean the whole point. I think I read the same article, Pat. The whole point is to use Miller when the game is on the line, when when it's close, right, and when their best hitters are up there. So if you save him for the end of the game, the game might not be close, and then you sort of waste him. Whereas you put him in early, you know he's going to be pitching important innings yep. that matter in the eventual outcome of the game. I'm I'm all for it, and why not? I mean, you're down two all-star caliber starters. You you know this is the perfect time to get creative and test it out. And if it doesn't work, you can be like, hey, we're down two starters anyway. We had to do something different. Yeah, I, I like it. So I, I I bet they do not go that far to start him, but I think he like I think Tito has no fear of using him in the second inning. If he needs to pitching him innings two and three, pitching him in the first inning if things go super sideways, um, and using him for more than one inning. That's that's something a lot's been written about this. Is not an original thought by me, but like, he deploys Miller in really interesting ways that is a big advantage for for the Indians rather than locking him into a uh, ninth inning with a lead of three runs or less. Right, um, and it's been successful. I mean, his. I forget what the advanced stat is, but it shows how much you contribute to wins. A win, win probability added, WPA probably. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's it. His is is very high since he joined the Indians because he's always pitching in a situation where he affects the outcome of the game instead yeah. of coming in with a three run lead in the ninth. That's right. that's not really helpful. And it's funny when Miller came in the game that you and I were watching. It was kind of, we were kind of confused. He wasn't doing the lefty lefty matchup. He was just. It, 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 we kind of believe they realize, oh, he just brought him in to face their best fucking hitters. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it did. Like, that's what's thing. Right. I love it. I love it about Tito Frank. It's not so much about like, this is a tight spot. It's like, oh, tight spot. These are the best hitters. I'm doing my best for the group now. And Tito does a lot of credit for that. He gets a lot of fucking flack for being a dummy manager, a guy who just lets players play. And doesn't, isn't actually that smart. Isn't that good of a manager? Does yeah. he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, some, of the, some of the baseball guys I, uh, that I talk to here in New York, I guess the Yankees guys, so they're all like anti Tito, but like, uh-huh. uh, you know, he, he has he has a reputation. I, I think it's helped by the fact that he's over reliant on the bunting strategy, which is kind of old school. Yeah, the bunting stuff. The bunting stuff's the stupidest thing he does. I think the player stuff is yeah. from the chicken and beer teams at the end of his Red Sox tenure. Exactly, exactly. He's a, he's a players guy and all that shit like that. So, but like, the point is like. He's clearly like a, I mean, the way he uses Miller is very unorthodox and very fucking smart. He uses his entire lineup like that interest. Now, the the thing, this is a little bit later, but I want to bring it up now, Patty, because it's a thing I'm not wild about, which is that they're carrying three catchers. Yes. 
Yes. Or we're looking towards the end of our uh, Indian stuff. But yeah. That, I mean, and he's he's got to say in that that's not just Francona's call, right? That's an organizational call. But I am less than enthused about that. Uh, now, I guess it means they're dropping a pitcher, right? Who are they dropping? Uh, I I don't know one of their shitty relievers. Yeah, it's not, not one. Of, they're only no, they're only bringing in four starting pitchers, right? Yeah, so normally you have five starting pitchers. One of your starting pitchers would go to the bullpen. And you drop out one of your your crappy middle relievers, but in their case, I think they're just bringing Kluber, Bauer, Tomlin, and Clevenger, if I can call. Clevenger. Not on the roster. Uh, Carrasco's not on the roster. Right. So, so I think it's so I think so. It's those four, and then Allen, Miller, Shaw, Manship, Otera, and there's one. Oh, and McAllister. McAllister is Merritt on there, and who's the lefty? No, I don't know. I don't think Merritt's on it. I think it's those. I'll do this. Is boring for people to listen to. So let me do some thinking in the background while I figure out who the rest of the roster is. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's, there's Merritt who who are, I, think I think they're carrying eleven pitchers, which is less than Tito likes to do normally. But honestly, you can get away with that in the playoffs, right? There's off days. Totally. Uh, you just don't need that much. I still like the. I don't know. And I guess part of this is that Almonte is suspended too, right? Because that catcher could conceivably well, be taking a spot that would be an outfielder or somebody else useful for us. But well, These catchers are good hitters. I mean, they're not going to use them as pinch hitters. That was my right? – but, but guys, that well, was if my Gomes, – If Gomes was good, would be the only one that you would consider like that. But apparently they're not even going to start – like he's like they're talking about using him in like we need a defensive replacement in the seventh inning. It's uh, not entirely clear to me how much Gomes has in in the tank. Yeah. That's, well, that's the thing. This, this, the, this this Paul yeah. Hunt's article. Paul Hunt's article was predicated on the idea that look, what Tito Francona did to win that game when Carrasco went out is not what they can do in the playoffs. They don't have to carry many relievers. Blah blah. blah. I'm like, dude, like you fucking math, man. All the pitches that we use in the game, every single player we use in that game. And then some, uh, that can fit in the fucking 25-man roster. Like, everyone that was in that game we saw, uh, except for Ava Almonte, uh, uh, Stiggy, we're, we're going to be able to see the playoffs in any, any given game. They can do that. So uh, I, I sort of get why. I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to pile on uh, uh, um, Paul Hoynes, but that was what was so bad about that article, is that, like, yeah, duh, I get it. That's fucking horrible. Lose your top, you know, two of your top three starting pitchers, plus the catcher. Uh, but you know, we keep doing what we've been doing, and that that you know, it's not fucking done. I mean, this team has a shot. No, that's definitely true. They're behind the eight ball, but they have. Uh, yeah, they yeah. can win. It's a five game series. It's <laughs> exactly. We get we get a good start out of Bauer. Who's? Can we talk about Bauer being the game one starter? That's <laughs> no, it's only because Kluber got hurt. Okay, so they gave him a little extra rest. Is that that's the idea? That's correct. Yeah. All right. But we get a great start out of Bauer. That's really the key start in the whole series. Is Bauer in game one. If he gave us eight innings, two runs, that's. I mean, that'd be incredible. And then we get a good start out of Kluber. You know, you're up 2-0 there potentially. That's in the five game series. That's it. I think we're going to need to see the offense come alive to win it. 
Yeah. Anyway, I think we're going to have to have a couple, have a couple six-run games. Yeah. This offense can do it. Yeah, they're streaky like that. They're also – I mean, they're streaky the other way too, right? Yeah. Like those terrible stretches where they're playing the Twins and not scoring any runs at all. They're definitely capable of that. they got plenty of strikeout guys on the team, um, which can go bad for you in the playoffs. That was sort of like the, the Royals theory, right? Yeah. Put the ball in play. Um, These guys should be loose. they got nothing to lose. No, and it feels like, and I trust Tito to have the team yeah. feeling like that, right? No one's better at that. No one's a better clubhouse manager than Tito in terms of getting guys mentally ready. I think that's right. Uh, Patty, late-breaking news. None of this matters because it's an even-numbered year, and the Giants won 3 nothing tonight over the Mets, so it's all theirs anyway. We can, <laughs> we can all give up. Oh, but, Matty, that means we've, we've kept hope alive. To Punch them in the stomach twice. In yes, well, the same fucking year, those motherfuckers. Oh, I might get murdered out here if that happens. <laughs> the, 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 those poor blue-collar schmoes in Silicon Valley. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, no, and that would be the ideal scenario. Only because, in particular, I want to say, so my father-in-law is a huge Cubs fan, uh, and I've had lots of conversations with him over the years where he says, Oh, you know, Pat, you don't really know sports suffering. I have the club of a once nice in a way. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you told me that the Bulls play basketball the way it was meant to be played when I, when I asked for your daughter's hand in marriage. Uh, you've had six fucking NBA titles to cry into when the Cubs don't win. Don't you fucking talk to me about sports suffering. Uh, however, not. What's that? End of the 85 Bears not so long ago. That's true. That's true. Also that. Uh, I, you know, h- however, you know, he, he's, he's fully grokked uh, uh, the, the sports suffering I've gone through to the point where uh, uh, I brought back the, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper, uh, Maddie, that uh, Mimi got for us both uh, uh, the day after the uh, Cash won the title. Of course. Uh, kept that. Gave it to Brad. Brad does love traveling in China, my father-in-law, and uh, gets nice good deals on framing. So I just got this uh, frame, the uh, the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, the headline is, uh, Dethroned by the King, uh, along with uh, a copy of our ticket. Got that framed in uh, wine and gold. Uh, so Brad's kind of made up for that, uh, and, and I'm uh, appreciative of that. So I, I really don't want to see the Indians Cubs World Series. What I'm trying to say, no. I don't really want to be in that position of of <laughs> that. Of rooting and, against your father-in-law? Yeah, I mean, look, I have no problem uh, uh, wishing the worst from the Cubs if we face them in the World Series. They can go fucking, they can go to fucking hell. Well, if it came to that, look, like, if, if the Indians fall, of course I'm pulling for the Cubs. I am. Just say it. The Cubs, but but uh, uh, if uh, lose your train of thought there, buddy. Is 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 uh, uh, Tribe versus the Giants? That would be incredible, right? Yeah, yeah, that would up the stakes considerably for me. <laughs> um, considerably. Right. So let, let's go to the whole section or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see the Nationals. 
Let's get a home stretch. Uh, unless you have anything else to add on uh, the Indians, I wanted to go quickly go through in case you guys do like to follow um, Drive or Sports uh, on Twitter. You haven't had a really robust uh, Indians Twitter list. Uh, I have I have some good follows that I've developed over the past past season. I want to share. Give them yours. Are, yours are better than mine, Patty. I follow a lot of general baseball writers, but I don't have good tribe specific. So yours. Are no, great. these guys are great. Total tribe partisans. Uh, my first two are girls. Excellent. Very good. Sports yelling is one of my favorite calls. Sports you mean men pretending to be women so they get more attention, correct? No, no definitely women. I can catfish. Sorry, I can tell you. You can't fake it. Sports yelling yeah. uh, is one of the best. She only tweets in all caps, uh, and it's just it's a great it's a great premise, and it gets gets better from there. Brutal Stephanie is somebody that she knows also very good. Uh, Kevin Dean. Uh, is an Indians fan, uh, but also very uh, uh, analytics focused. Uh, Cole Lopez and Hipster Tito, also very good, mistaken for each other. Hipster Tito is the guy that coined uh, Party Annapolis and started. Oh, so he's got cred. <laughs> he's got credibility. Oh yeah, he's got very much big cred. Cole Lopez also very fun. Uh, Monty the Color Man. Uh, great Toronto because it is Monty the Color Man from Major League movies, uh, and, and also just generally very good. Uh, then, uh, the, if you're going to follow any of the Indians players, it's got to be Jose Ramirez, Trevor Bauer, and Jason Kipnis. Yeah, that the, I agree. I do follow those guys. I agree with all three of those. Entertaining. Jose Ramirez taking a picture of himself wearing a LeBron jersey, saying, "LeBron, when we win the title, when we win the World Series, I expect you to buy my jersey and wear it like I'm wearing." <laughs> <laughs> That's what those Ramirez tweeted. <laughs> Trevor Bauer we've covered, Jason Kittles we've covered, but yeah, those Ramirez. <laughs> Patty, what I, something I forgot that you'll appreciate is that, uh, that uh, Jose Ramirez and Napoli are like best buddies on the team. Oh, I love that so much. And Jose Ramirez's English is not great, and Mike Napoli speaks, I think, zero Spanish. <laughs> That means they get really drunk all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's uh, a funny mismatch there, though. We can talk about yeah, Juan Uribe being like uh, uh, Jose Ramirez's, uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know, spirit dad on the team. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great, fun uh, 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 subplot in the uh, first half of the season. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's it. You should also follow the Cleveland Indians Twitter. Yeah, uh, their Twitter is excellent. It's fantastic. Cool. The best by far of any Cleveland team Twitter. They come correct. It's great. They, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite recent tweets was uh, they tweeted like a bunch of photos from uh, the, the tribe celebration of winning the, of clinching the, the Central Division. It followed up with like maybe like 10 minutes later with like, uh, but seriously, guys, be real quiet tomorrow. Like keep keep your voices down. <laughs> this is tons of pictures of guys drinking, like just drinking heavily, and the whole joke being that like none of the major stars are going to be playing the next day, right? And it was like it, it's always kind of fun side point, uh, a point of like uh, uh, the ridiculous lineups that teams put out the day after clinching a title, <laughs> clinching a division title, right? That was uh, a lot of. Fun. They they do a good job. Uh, lastly, uh, kind of more straight man guy, but Jordan Bastian uh, is the MLB uh, um, uh, beat reporter for the Indians. Uh, he, it, 
it's not so much fun as much as he does give a little bit extra uh, oomph to his his post. He finds little quotes and things and nuggets and 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 puts them out there on Twitter. Uh, uh, he's a good follow. Um, so those that, that's my Patty's uh, must follow list on on Twitter for for uh, the tri playoffs. Nice, Patty. I like it. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, world. Um. So, gentlemen, we're over time, shockingly, with uh, Pat and Verstique in the same podcast together. <laughs> Verstique hasn't even really said anything yet. We still got uh, two hours to go, Pat. We got to do an hour on the Cavs and an hour uh, on the Browns. All I can say, Matty, is that Verstique has said far too much. <laughs> Pat, if it's past your bedtime out there in the East Coast, you can just go to sleep and just leave the hangout going, and Matt and I will just uh, wrap up the last two hours here. Oh, oh, don't challenge me, my friend. I can go off. <laughs> I, I, I did just challenge you. I did. Uh, in, in the interest of for my fantasy football loss to your crummy team. What, what, your, your, your three-game losing streak to my uh, fantasy football team? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I'll see you in the playoffs, buddy. Uh, oh, you wish. One, one, you're you're going to choke against my team instead of Scott. I don't think Scott. I'm going to see either of you guys in the playoffs. <laughs> You don't think you're gonna see me, Maddie? You, you and your championship running back core. Jesus Christ! <laughs> All right, uh, uh, to keep it, uh, uh, palatable for uh, listeners beyond our friends, <laughs> our, our like fifteen friends. Uh, uh, I do want to keep this uh, relatively uh, uh, concise. Uh, it's too late. Fine. No, stop pretending. Let's just start, and we'll see what happens, Let's, Patty. Let's talk about. Let's get a little preview of the Cavs thing. I, I, one thing I want to mention, I'm going to go into much more detail in the Cavs preview. Um, the, the Cavs offseason has been fantastic, um, uh, obviously. Uh, I love uh, ripping on the Warriors. Uh, uh, you know, for example, I have a lot of Warriors fans in my office, and I made sure when I, when I ripped open the uh, framed uh, portrait of the Stempus Chronicle uh, headline, uh, I made sure that I opened uh, with great fanfare in the middle of the newsroom so that all the Warriors fans can see and be annoyed by it. Who are these Warriors fans? Yeah. They're not people from out here. They're just bandwagon well, jumpers? Yeah, mostly bandwagon jumpers. There's one who actually is from the Bay Area and, and is you know, not a super fan, but clearly like a, a cheer for the Warriors when they were not good. But, you know, uh, the rest are total frontliners. I have no real strong connection to Cold State uh, or sorry, sorry, to the Bay Area. Um, but they, 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 you know, claim that bullshit. Anyway, I, 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 I can appreciate as much as the next guy how much fun it is to remind people, to make, people, make sure people don't forget that the Warriors blew a uh, 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. However, yeah. joy, the joy in doing that, I think, is a disservice. We are doing a disservice by reminding the world constantly that the goal did blew that 3-1 lead. We should remind the fucking world, starting right goddamn now, we all have to remind the fucking world the Cavaliers, the Cleveland fucking Cavaliers, came back from a 3-1 deficit with the greatest fucking comeback in NBA history. Yes. Won the greatest series in NBA history. Yes. Won it. That is what we need to do. Fair and square. was the greatest performance ever by an individual in NBA history. People are, people, are, people are forgetting it. They're just, they're just talking about how Golden State choked, and now they're going to forget it when, like, you know, they have Kevin Durant, so no big deal anymore. No, no, fucking, it's a huge deal. Yeah, they, they choked. But it, they, they didn't choke so much as we fucking took it. 
It did not yeah. choke. It wasn't choking uh, that blocked that fucking shot. Somebody's got to stick their hand down your throat for you to choke. Right. <laughs> we choked them out. It wasn't choking that knocked that fucking three-pointer in Steph's eye. It may have been choking a little bit, but fucking Kevin Love locked down um, the two-time MVP. Uh, you know, both teams were tired and, and missing shots. Uh, uh, the Cavaliers fucking won that. And yeah. I get really mad when certain, uh, you know, uh, national media guys uh, discount that as just like a, a, an amazing thing, but it was not like a, a dominant, wonderful, great. I feel disrespected, Patty. I don't know about you. Disrespected. It's bullshit. I'm it personally. In the, in the history of the NBA, ever. Period. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Doesn't get nearly that talk. You know, adding another huge choker to that team is not going to make them any more clutch. No, no. Who's going to take the last shot this season? It's going to be in Curry's hands. He'll be like, here, you take it, Kevin. And he'll be like, no, I don't want it. I don't want to choke. You take it. Those guys, guys don't have it when the game's on the line. I so just look forward to watching both of them miss game-winning shots and, and choke it away again. There's just so much experience blowing through one leads on that team now. It's, it's Did you watch them last night? I, did I didn't. My Uber driver told me they were real good. <laughs> they look filthy. But preseason, pre-season. whatever. Cavs yeah. looked filthy tonight too. Yeah, too many it's, egos it's, on that on that Golden State team. Not enough shots to go around. You're gonna hear about. You're gonna hear about some locker room dissension. Mark my words. I think so. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean they're all they're all singing out of the same playbook right now, or songbook, and uh, Him acting now? like that's not going to not going to be a problem. But uh, I, I have a feeling you're right. Definitely will be. Because Durant I, can just leave after the season too. So if he's not getting his, I mean, and so can Curry. Right. So both of them can just be like, hey, if I don't get mine, whatever. I already, you know, Curry's already won a title. Yeah. He, he's you know. I don't. He's spoiled. Uh, I, I think there's a chance that they come out this year like they came out last year and are just rolling out. I don't think like, that's impossible. Sure. It's fun winning games in November. Of, of that doesn't most, mean shit. Of the creation of most super teams, like most of them struggle a little bit out the out the gate, right? Um. Yeah, I feel like the Celtics were real good right out of the gate, which was a surprise, though. Yeah. That was the first. That's like, true, although. Recent super team. That also was a pretty unique, unique mix of characters, right? Where Garnett doesn't need the ball at all, right? And is an insane person, right? Um, they all fit perfectly, right? Like that unit came together in a very unique Veteran way. Guys. Garnett and Allen were totally willing to subjugate their egos. The whole, right? These guys are saying they can do it. I'm not a hundred percent sure that's true or yeah. not. If I mean, they someone, do, someone's got to be the man. When LeBron went to Miami, there was a question: Well, who's going to be the man? And Dwayne Wade subjugated his ego and said, all right, LeBron, you're the best player yeah. in the game. You're going to be the man. But between Curry and Durant, I don't, they're both in their absolute prime. Yeah, who blinks? Who's – yeah. I think you're wrong to, to finger uh, uh, Curry and Durant is the big issue. It's more uh, 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 Draymond and Durant. Uh, if you watch the, the – For who the point forward, you mean, Patty? Yeah, because look, uh, what what made Draymond uh, so good and so dangerous and so devastating was when he had the fucking balls in his hand. You know, when when he the the, the devastating most devastating play of the season was the the Draymond Curry pick and roll, right? Yeah. Uh, 
And, and if you watch Draymond in the, in the Olympics, he was fucking useless, awful. Like he's a fucking normal, the average fucking dude because, you know, there's so many other guys that need the ball. So that's the one that I could see being uh, a potential. Wait, so in other words, Patty, all, the, all those Draymond Curry pick and rolls are now going to be Durant Curry pick and rolls because why wouldn't you run Durant in there if he's a better shooter, driver, and passer, I think, than Draymond. I guess passer might be questionable there. But if he's getting those, what role does Draymond play on the offense? Can he suddenly be a, a Tristan Thompson type that's just crashing boards and setting picks? Or does he feel like he needs something more? I don't know. I mean, Draymond feels like the kind of guy who doesn't give a fuck and just wants to win. I think that's possible with him. See, I think Draymond retains most of that role. I mean, a big part of the pick and roll is actually setting a good pick. It gets forgotten because it's fundamental and it's boring, but Kevin Durant doesn't set good picks. He's weak. Draymond Green sets great picks. Not only does he set a hard pick, but he gets there quickly. That's such a key. We saw that against the Cavs where – They'll set a pick for Dre off the ball, and then he'll run and set his own pick, and his man is behind because his man has been picked on the other wing. He's he so good at doing it. He gets there on time. He turns and rolls on time. His footwork is great. I, I, the Curry pick and roll, uh, Curry Draymond Green pick and roll is not broke. I don't think they're going to try to fix it. I think Durant You're just is going to gonna be, slot him into the Harrison Barnes role? Durant's going to be more of a perimeter guy, yeah. I mean, he's such a good three-point shooter. I think he's just he's going to be mostly on the wing, and there'll be some Durant Curry pick and roll. But also remember the um, the pick and roll between Curry and Thompson was excellent, and and J.R. Smith in particular had a lot of trouble defending that when he was on Thompson, and Thompson go set a pick for Curry. So all that pick and roll action works really well for them. I don't know if you also want to throw Durant in there with that. I think I think maybe you let him either have the ball in his hands and and he gets the pick from Dre and from Thompson. You know, or you just have him on the opposite wing when all that pick and roll is happening for Curry. But I, I, and he's just sniping open threes, and then you let him run the the second unit offense, basically. Yeah, that too. But I I don't I don't think the uh, the Durant Curry pick and roll is going to be a big thing for them this year. We'll see. Uh, I mean, basically, you're saying they're they're Kevin Love, uh, uh, Kevin Durant. They're gonna make it. They're gonna make him a stretch three point shooter. Stretch four three point shooter. Boy, it sounds it sounds really terrible when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> like they're gonna ostracize him in the locker room too. He's gonna be sort of <laughs> passive aggressive and tweet about him. <laughs> right. I'm with you on that in the sense that he won't set his good picks, uh, but I think that it's gonna fuck him up a little bit. Uh, it, it might be the smartest thing to, to continue what they're doing and just yeah, have him replace Harrison Barnes in the role, but that is just wasting Kevin Durant, isn't it? Well, there's a look. There's only, I mean, there's only one ball. There's only so many shots to go around, and only so many guys can really be involved on an offensive play. Like you need somebody to just spread the floor and keep his man out of the mix, right? And that's yeah. you know the triangle offense. It's like the three guys who are in the triangle are doing the business, and the other two guys just get the hell out of the way. So, not yeah. they're running that, but that was the genius of it is that you don't have all these other guys clogging the lane and getting in, you know, bringing their defenders over into the play. So, I, I think you're going to have to have one guy who's who's the shot creator and the ball handler, and other guys who are complementary players, right? And so Durant and Curry are both creators. So I, you you have that is a nasty part of doing it that way too. Is it because the the 
the problem for them with Barnes is that you could stick a subpar defender on him, mm-hmm. right? You can't get away with that with Durant. Because right. he'll just swing it to Durant, he'll take that man one-on-one off the dribble and go. You have to put one of your premium defenders over on Durant. Right. So if you only have one so stopper out there, like you're the Bulls, you only have one Jimmy Butler, wherever he is, just pass to the other creator. And then they can't switch. And then that guy creates with whoever's on his side of the floor. It's just like a quarterback reading the defense and deciding, all right, I got a weak matchup. I got one-on-one coverage on the left. I'm just going left with this pass. Checker, so you're talking me into that it's going to work, not that it's not going to work. Well, if, if it doesn't work, it won't be because there's not a strategic option that could work in an egoless world. It'll be because the egos are too big. And Durant will, like, standing on the other wing when Jimmy Butler is just taking him out of the game and Curry's making all the plays and getting the headlines, and he'll be like, you know, I didn't come here to be second fiddle to, to little Steph. Right. I'm the fucking man. I think the egos are going to destroy that team. One can only hope. Uh, okay. All right. Listen, mm, sure gentlemen. Uh, we, we have a, we, we'll have a cat, fuller cast preview uh, uh, later. Uh, we got to talk about JR, man. We got to talk about this situation for a little bit. So, still not signed. What is, let's, let's just call it. I want a number and a number of years, and what's the option on the last year of the contract? I just want everybody to make a call. What do you think, Pat? What's uh, it gonna? What are we gonna settle at after all this? You know. I know, I know we want two years fifteen. I think. Fifteen per. Two 15 years thirty million. I could see three years fourteen. With a team option for the third year. No. Player. Player option. You could have no option. It could just be a team option. A team option is 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 as good as a two year deal. So. Team option for thirty years, basically a two-year deal. So he yeah. wouldn't. They're they're not fighting over a team option. They're fighting over a player option. Yeah, that's what I think. I agree. I, I think fourteen to fifteen is probably. I mean, I mean, the reports are he wants fifteen a year, and the Cavs are not giving that, right? Yeah, because well, I think it's both dollars per year and the length of the contract. I think both those things are in dispute. Yeah, I think the floor for him is a Flalo's deal. A Flalo got what two years, twelve million per. So, more than sure, that. sure, absolutely, absolutely. Right. I'm saying that's the floor, that, yeah. and he should get more than that. He's better than a Flalo. Flalo sucked last year. I, he's not even worth 12 million, not even under the new cap. But yeah, I, I think I don't, somewhere I don't, 13 to 14, upper range if we can get it for two years, lower range if it's three. I'm as much as I love Jr. I'm a little leery about giving him a big long-term contract. I think as much of a model citizen as he's, as he's been the last two years. If you give a guy like his last big contract, you know it's it's possible that the old Jr. could could come out again. He, I mean, he's basically been playing on a one-year deal. Well, he has been on a one-year deal the last two years for not a lot of money. So for the last two years, he's been playing for a big contract. Once he gets the big contract, and now that we've already won a title, I'm just just a little worried. I don't know. Yeah. The Jr. I saw weeping at the podium feels like a changed man to me. Well, he's getting married. What about the JR who didn't wear a shirt for three weeks right after that? That doesn't bother me <laughs> at all. It doesn't bother me either. At all. It bothers me so little that I bought a t-shirt of it. Yeah, that's that t-shirt is is amazing. Creepy. I don't, I don't want to encroach too much to on, on a conversation we're going to have with our friend Skyler uh, for the cast preview, but I will say this, just in case this gets resolved before the preview, um, uh, I, 
I'm not going to damn uh, Dan Gilbert until we actually lose him. I think they're being prudent and and holding out to make sure that we get a decent deal. And and we also we're in danger of the repeater tax, which is like really crazy. Yeah, we're gonna pay it. I mean, th at this point, there's no holding out to get a decent deal because there's no other options for the Cavs. They have to resign Jr. There's no other options for Jr. either, by the way. Nobody else is offering him shit. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but the Cavs can't. I mean, he's a LeBron friend. He's a Rich Paul client. Well, they need each other. This is going to resolve exactly the same way that TT thing resolved. Yes, yes. It might take halfway through through training camp in the preseason, but he'll sign a deal. And if I had to bet, it'll be three years and forty three to forty five million dollars. Yeah, fully yeah. guaranteed. And what I think is interesting here, I think this is just like last summer with TT. I think this is a power struggle between LeBron and Dan Gilbert, ultimately, which is dumb on Dan Gilbert's part because LeBron's going to win. He's irreplaceable. Right? How do you feel about – So just pay the money. When you, we stretch it out, it only makes Dan Gilbert look worse. Like they offered Tristan 80. He turned it down. We set it on all summer, and then he got $82 million. So he gets a little extra money for basically not going to camp and not working out all summer. Great. And then he comes in a little out of shape. And then, so now we're doing the same thing with Jr. It's going to play. Except out the he same was in shape. Tt was in shape. Tt came in his, into. Uh, he was ready to go right from the get go. Yeah, and Jr. has supposedly been working too. Well, uh, I, I hope Jr. is working out. Is this sort of like the uh, the, the the power struggle between everyone? Yeah, uh, Dan Gilbert hosting <laughs> fundraisers for Trump, and uh, like three days later, LeBron endorsing Hillary. Hillary, right? Yeah, I mean, there's still it's, there's a lot of passive aggressive shit going on between the two of those. guys. Oh yeah, you know th those guys, those two are like Shaq and Kobe. I mean, they'll keep it together prof professionally, but I don't think they're friends. And I no. think there's a lot of a lot of animosity left there. So you know how LeBron says he wants to own a team? Yeah. Do you want that team to be the Cavs? Yes. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Right. Why? Because he'll he'll. You don't think he's a good executive? No, 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 he'll be no, like no, a Michael no. Jordan executive. I don't want him owning another team. I would. I would be jealous. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I own the Cavs. I, and I mean that as no, 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 no respect. No respect to to Dan, uh, Trump lover Gilbert. No, I'm as big of a fan of Gilbert as an owner as, as anybody. I take a back seat. I just don't want LeBron in a few weeks about this. But he spends going. the money. He doesn't meddle. He seems to hire good people in the front office. That's all you can ask. Yeah, those I, three things. To, I won't be able to accept LeBron owning on the team. This nice Cleveland. It, 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 it will feel bad. It will feel bad. Um, guys, all right. Let's, let's, let's uh, wrap this up with the Browns. Uh, should we? Browns? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Brown? uh, Browns? Uh, Brown? I, question mark? Brown? Question mark? I will I will launch it off briefly with my uh, quick take, which is that I'm surprisingly happy with them. They're doing yeah. exactly what yeah. they do. They are having a, a a they had four consecutive encouraged. Well, the first one wasn't very encouraging, but they had at least three encouraging losses. They're racking the losses. Most of them are encouraging in terms of. The young people that we've recently drafted or signed are playing really well and look like real professional football players that can actually like make a difference, right? Uh, plus, uh, we're still losing games, so we're, we're getting into pole position for the uh, number one pick in the draft next year. I, I, 
And also, I had those guys who were injured, like Nassib and, uh, and Coleman. Like, those guys look good before they get hurt. And I'm excited to see them. Not just better. them. Our starting quarterbacks and Joe yeah. Hayden and our yeah. Sam Irving. and our, like, our starting center last week, who was a rookie, went down. He's going yeah. on IR. I don't know. He had no a last week. He did. That was the best Browns run blocking I've seen, I don't know, since, like, Kevin Mack. Crazy. I mean, Crowell was running through enormous holes. He's the yeah. second leading rusher right now. Yeah, he had 112 yards on 15 totes, and the the announcers were talking about how great Crowell looked. I'm like, Crowell looks the same. The line yeah. is amazing. He was running yeah. through enormous, enormous holes right up the gut too. It wasn't anything tricky. Yeah. It was just guys getting a good push and creating a good seal. And I, I couldn't even like I didn't even know the name of the guys who were doing that blocking. Like those guys look like all pros. No, I think you have to be super happy with Hugh Jackson as a coach. Yeah. Whatever your issues with little little strategic things about the not going forward on uh, before the field goal that was missed against Miami or or deferring and deferring. Like, 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 let's not that. even worry about that stuff, right? Like the stuff yeah. that matters right now is are the, is the team prepared and ready to play? Are they playing hard and looking like they're giving you maximum effort? And are you getting the most out of the talent that you have on the field? Oh yeah, I think the answer to all those questions is yes. Hugh Jackson is making prime rib out of rump roast. Yeah, and it seems like he's have a lead. Hold on, hold on, better. Right now, half our defense is from other teams' practice squads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, they are great, but like, they are fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, they're hanging in there. It's- now, the the if I to to rain on the parade a little bit, I think the four teams we've played, none of them are good. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in Baltimore, even if they're three and one or whatever they are. I don't think that's a good team. The Redskins are not good. The Redskins have the worst run defense in football. Yeah. And they, Miami certainly is not good. Miami and, really blows. And while the Eagles are three and zero and and blew out the Steelers, I still I don't fundamentally believe I'm not they're a good team. Either. I think they're no. going to end up five and eleven or something, right? So it'll be starting this week. It'll be interesting to see what we do against real competition. See what happens when we go up against the Steelers and the Bengals and whoever else. Although we play a lot of pretty crappy teams this year, to be honest with you. Why is it that when we have a crappy team, we always have the easy schedule, and then right. we have a decent team, but the schedule gets really hard? We need a, a year where it all comes together, good team and soft schedule. I think they're. I, I feel like they're headed in the right direction for the first time in since that since ten and Butch six Davis. year. Since the ten, I think or the I ten and six Romeo year, I felt I even felt then, pretty good. Boy, by the end of that year, I didn't feel good at all. I mean, da. It was yeah, funny. I was watching. Uh, I had a red zone. I was watching the end of the Carolina game when Da came in after Newton was concussed and he threw terrible pick to lose the game. I was like, "Boy, that's a familiar feeling." Yeah, I think I texted you about that, Pat. I do. I do remember that. Was, so he, he was uh, terrible at the end of that year. How many? How many uh, do we win a game this year? <laughs> yeah. I think we do. <laughs> might be. I think we win a game. I think we win two. Take you over there. I'll. I'll we win one. We're still going to play Buffalo. We're going to play the Ravens again. Yeah. We play a Giants team that I don't think is that great. They should be, but they're not. Right? It's a weird team. Buffalo's uh, not uh, the Patriots. I mean, I know we're not Tom Brady, but still. Yeah, but still. Um, the Patriots are going to work. We'll, we'll, win, we'll win two games, I think. But, but I think we're in pole position for the, for the one pick. But, but uh, uh, Stiggy, you had said, like, why is it when we suck we have the really easy schedule and we're, we're seemingly promising we have a tough schedule? Normally, gentlemen, 
Normally, the answer would be, well, because we're Cleveland. You got his Cleveland. <laughs> well, now we can, I think, safely say, happily say, it's not because we're Cleveland, it's because they're the Browns. Yeah. Very important. It's become a, a, a thing now where people are looking down on the Browns and be like, hey, since the Cavs won it, like, there's yeah. really no excuse for you guys. We're not a cursed sports town. Get your shit together. It's just you guys. <laughs> Get together. Worst uh, thing that ever happened for the Browns was the Cavs winning. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like at work where there's a few people that slacking you off and then one of them gets really good and you're yeah. like, well, I you blew my cover. Jig is up. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. I think we wrap it up there. Let's uh, let's let's hit this in the bud. Uh, I have a lot more to say, actually. You know, it's only it's only like nine forty out here on the West Coast. Uh, we'll be up for another few hours. That's great. Leave the run and um, Matt and I have some more things to discuss. <laughs> you, can, you can whisper sweet nothings into Matt's ear all night long, Matt. I wish you joy of it. Uh, <laughs> But for our listeners, our poor listeners, uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna call the fight uh, and wrap it here. Uh, all right, that uh, that does it for the Cleveland Sports Hour. Until next time, this is Maddie and Patty and Sticky saying.